Welcome to Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson. And I'm Gary Anderson. And we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. Today we're breaking down Season 1, Episode 15 of Star Trek Prodigy Masquerade. We'll end our podcast with the latest Star Trek news. Before we begin, please remember our analysis contains spoilers. Oh no. So if you haven't yet watched the episode, you may want to do so before listening to our comments. Now, Gary, let's start off with the synopsis for Masquerade. Now hiding in the neutral zone from the Dauntless, Dahl allows his jealousy of Thaddean Okana to get in the way of focusing on finding a safe haven where they can make repairs to their damaged ship. Okana suggests they head to Noble Isle, a star base that is home to an institute delving in unregulated science. After their arrival to Noble Isle, Zero and Jacob stay on board to the ship to make repairs, while Gwen, Okona, Dahl, Rock, and Murph take a space elevator down to the science station. There they meet Dr. Jago, an unorthodox geneticist who was initially upset with Okona for losing the cargo she had ordered. However, the doctor becomes more interested in Dahl once she identifies him as a result of Dr. Eric Sung's experiments to create genetically enhanced people. Ooh, boy, can't get away from them Sung's, can we? No. So Jago tell that, tells Dahl that he is a lab creation with DNA trails from humans and 25 other species. She tells him she can unlock those traits so he can be the best he can be. Initially, Dahl is disheartened to learn that he was created artificially as part of an experiment. Gwen attempts to console him, but Dahl allows his insecurities to get the best of him. Unbeknownst to the others, he allows Jago to place an implant on the back of his neck to bring forth his enhanced abilities. This process begins to change him physically and mentally. His crew members are taken aback by his unbridled arrogance that has changed his personality to one they hardly recognize. Back on the ship, Romulan Talshiar agents board the Protostar in an attempt to seize control of it. However, they find they cannot do so unless the captain releases the command. On the Dauntless, Vice Admiral Janeway had been given strict orders by her superior, Admiral Jellicoe, not to follow the protostar into the neutral zone. However, if she finds the protostar in danger of being captured by the Romulans, she is ordered to destroy it. Okana shows his true colors when he abandons the protostar crew as Romulan agents come after them. With his enhanced abilities, however, Dahl is able to subdue the agents. The crew is attacked once again as they, they take the space elevator back to their ship. Monitoring the situation, Janeway makes the call to fire two photon torpedoes toward the protostar. However, this time Murph is able to fight off the Romulans and protect them from the vacuum of space when the elevator shaft is damaged. Seeing the protostar is no longer in danger, Janeway orders the strike to be aborted. In the protostar sick bay, to the relief of Dahl and the others, Zero successfully removes Dahl's implant and tells him 
he will return to his former self over time. On the dot list, Ensign Asensia returns to the diviner. She reveals herself to be another Von Nakat from the future who bears a striking resemblance to Gwen. In addition, she discloses an accomplice, a new and improved Dreadnought. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the credits. Masquerade was written by Nikhil S. Jadaralam. The episode was directed by returning champion Sung Shin. <laughs> Jadaralam is a staff writer on Star Trek Prodigy. Earlier in his career, he worked in the script and continuity department of NBC's Allegiance and the Star Series Power. Jararan other writing credits are from two live-action crime dramas. He was the story editor on Shades of Blue and staff writer for the short-lived NBC police series Mysteries of Laura, starring Deborah Messing. Director Shun Shin has been one of the main creative partners of the Hagman Brothers, shaping the series in season one. This makes the seventh episode Shin has directed or co-directed for the show. The previous episodes being Dreamcatcher, First Contact, Time Amok, Asylum, Let Sleeping Borg Lie, and last week's episode Crossroads. So let's move on to the analysis. The title of the episode, Masquerade, is a subtle hint to the big reveals that we were given. While trapped inside the Romulan neutral zone, the Protostar crew encounters a rogue geneticist who sheds light on Dahl's past. This was a chapter that offered us significant movement in one of the show's original questions by simply answering it. But it also exposed other surprises we didn't anticipate. So we're now 75% through the first season. With five episodes left, we have the unexpected wrinkles that have added to the intrigue and curiosity of the viewing experience. The theme for this episode, Masquerade, is concealment. Hidden within Dahl is the revelation that he is a -a one-of-a-kind genetic experiment. It answers the mystery of his parentage by beginning another, such as, why was Dahl created? How did he end up on Tars Lamora? Both of those questions will have to wait to be answered at another time. As an augment, Dahl is a product of artificial hybrid spatiation. His DNA comprises material from 26 species, including human genetic material. At this moment, we don't know where he came from. What we do know is that the techniques to make him was developed by someone familiar with genetic engineering techniques developed by Eric Soon. This means Dahl is unique, a singular entity. Also, this means Dahl is an augment. That fact connects him to other Star Trek characters who have been the product of genetic manipulation. Some have only desired to be useful, such as First Officer Unachin Riley, an Illyrian who hid her identity to devote herself to a life in Starfleet, only to be arrested for violating Federation laws against augmentation. Others have seen their augmentation as proof of their superiority, such as the superhuman warlord Kong Nudian Singh, 
a being with the wrong combination of arrogance, strategic military training, and superior human strength and stamina. Finally, even Dr. Julian Peshier, a child with cognitive defects that had them erased by the act of loving parents who feared the life of their child would have been different would have been different had he been allowed to continue to mature with his defects. Each of these characters looked upon their lives as an augment differently. The question now is, which path will Dahl take? Dr. Jago manipulates Dahl's feelings when she offers him the chance to tap into a hidden trove of special abilities lying deep within his dormant genes. Initially, triggering them provides Dahl with the power to protect the away team when they are surrounded by Romulan Tal Shiar agents. Unfortunately, uh, it isn't long before Jago's device begins to react on its own, activating changes in his physical appearance as well as his behavior. At one moment sounding and looking like a Klingon, at another changing into a hybrid between a Vulcan and an Endorian. But that's really not what Dahl wants. Dahl wants to belong and discover a family. He wants to be a member of that family. The pain of this is conveyed with emotional punch by Brett Gray's heartbreaking delivery of lines such as, I was born in a Petri dish, so I don't have any parents. There's no one else like you. That's cool, right? Tough break, kid. All this time. I'm just some failed experiment. While others can ignore the fact that he has no siblings, nor a mother or a father, to welcome him with open arms, Dahl can't. He is truly alone in this world. Elevating Dahl's origin from mere debate on the values of genetic manipulation to a meaningful or heart-rendering exploration of Dahl's personal journey will most likely be the more important outcome from Masquerade. Dahl's sense of loneliness will probably be amplified for the remainder of the season. And Dahl isn't the only mystery unveiled. Before the episode ends, we are surprised to learn that the character we know as Ensign Asensia isn't a Trill or a Starfleet officer. She's a chime traveler and appears to be another member of the Valnakat, the diviner's species. At first glance, you wonder if she is actually an adult version of Gwen who has traveled from the future to either stop her father's plan to destroy the Federation or assist him in it. Learning more about the identity of this new character could reveal which path she might take. Also, the last thing I was anticipating would be seeing Dreadnought, the evil killing AI with an ability to unearth secrets and making a surprise appearance at the end of Masquerade. Now we know why the show kept the voice actor Jimmy Simpson's name in the opening credits. This is Dreadnought's first appearance since episode 10, A Moral Star Part 2. That prompts a new mystery. How did the creature get onto the USS Dauntless? Yeah, and how long has this this Gwen-looking character yes. been a part of Starfleet? I mean, what, what's up with Starfleet? Can't right. they keep them spies out of their midst? <laughs> Our final thoughts. 
by answering one of the biggest outstanding questions of the series, where's Doll from? Prodigy surprised us by throwing a few new ones at us by the end of the episode. That's exactly what you want from a well-written show that enter, that's entering its last quarter of episodes. You want surprise. We suspect that there are a few more surprises coming over the next five episodes before season one concludes. Maybe a certain live-action Star Trek series about an android admiral should assign viewing Prodigy to their writing team. Okay. That way they can see for themselves what good plotting and imaginative writing and character development resembles. Okay. All right. So here's our section on bits and pieces. This is the genetic augmentation edition. So I, I'm going to tell you all that Gary did all of these titles like he normally does, but I, I find these to be humorous. So I may giggle a little bit. So Star Trek sponsored by Ancestry.com. A list of dolls genetic makeup from alpha and beta quadrant races includes humans or homo sapiens, Vulcan, Tellurite, Klingon, Andorian, Romulan, Cardassian, Ferengi, Bajoran, Ryzen, Q, and I don't know how. I don't know how. That I just think is ridiculous. But anyways... Proto-Oregonian, Gorn, uh, Sullivan, Breen. And that one I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did they do that? Sona, Raymond, Tholian, which is another one. Yeah, yeah. uh, Zindi, and the Marquis, which is not a race. Right. Yeah, but... And then you have their long-distance relatives. So in addition to those species, Dahl has DNA from several Delta Quadrant races. The Kazon, Herosians, Crinum, species 8472, the Vidian, and of of course, the Dominion, which is another... Which is another yeah, group. Yeah, like how could they have gotten... Well, how did they get the DNA from the Dominion? Well, we don't know which... Dominion species they're referring to. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. And we, we'll, we'll discuss that actually next. Okay. So team affiliation, as was just stated, Dr. Jago's DNA breakdown of Dahl's genetic makeup included mention of three political affiliations made up of multiple species. The Dominions, which could be the founders, the Jem'Hadar, and, or, and the Vorta, the Zindi, Arboreal, insect, aquatic, and reptilian, and the Marquis, who are primarily human and Bajoran. So it's unclear what to make of that. Yeah, we. I, I would doubt that they were talking about being redundant. Yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, anyway. So also, what's that thing on your neck? That's the next <laughs> one. Incent Asensia, who we don't know what her real name is, appears to be wearing a device similar to the one Dr. Jago placed at the base of the back of Doll's neck. Um, that's how she transforms from being this trill mm-hmm. into one of the Vodnakot. Right. Um, did, did it give her the ability to transform from one to the other? Right, exactly. Because it, it seems to work a lot better than the one Doll had. And, and you also wonder, 
Like when she goes for her physical, how come none of this shows up? <laughs> like, like why doesn't the the doctor, the Telluride doctor, go, "Hey, what's that thing on your neck?" Hey, it's better than that. She should have um, thrown off all kind of signals when she yeah. when she transported up and down. Right, the transport right should, should have picked that up. Right, yeah. because the transport is going to figure out. What she is made, made up, up because yep. that's how they're going to put her back together. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and the last bits and pieces, which is, is totally unrelated to all this genetic talk. Right, right. Okona mentioned being trapped between two angry fathers and the jewel of Thessia. If you've seen the TNG episode, the outrageous Okona. Then you've seen him go through these events. Yeah, I was just wondering why they threw his resume in there all of a sudden. <laughs> like that, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Was that really pertinent to the right, conversation? exactly, exactly. Well, anyway, let's move on to Star Trek news. First up, Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Volume 1, the Blu-ray and DVD release. Mm-hmm. You can now pre-order your copy of Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Volume 1, in Blu-ray and or DVD from Paramount Home Entertainment and Nickelodeon Home Entertainment. These products will be released January 3rd, 2023, the week after season one finale occurs. So that gives us all we need to know about the fact that we're going to have continuous episodes between now and the end of the year. That's right. So the next one is uh, we're going to talk about is that Star Trek has some children's board books. Are you looking for a Star Trek book for a young child? You're in luck because two are now available. Children can now explore colors seen across the galaxy with Star Trek, my first book of colors, and discover our solar system and beyond with Star Trek, My First Book of Space. Star Trek, My First Book of Colors is written by Rob Perlman and illustrated by Jason Kaser. Readers will enjoy illustrations of a shiny silver space station, a Gorn Green captain wearing a gold lame tunic and a brown gauntlets, and of course, Starfleet officers wearing blue, yellow, and red shirts. In Star Trek, My First Book of Space, written by Aaron McDonald, Ph.D., and illustrated by Jason Kaser. Oh, he's got another job. Yeah. Kids will discover illustrations of some of Star Trek's most iconic spacefaring vessels, including the Enterprise, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, a Klingon bird of prey, and the Katan probe. These images are paired with real photographs of an asteroid, the planets, Pluto, the sun, and even a nebula. And you know why they singled out Pluto, right? No, go ahead. Because it's not a planet. Oh, right, right. It used to be. It used to be, When we right. were growing up, it was a planet, but what? we've reassigned it to as a moon. Right, right, Exactly. When enjoyed alongside each other, Star Trek First, My First Book of Colors and Star Trek My First Book of Space offers readers and fans of all ages an age-appropriate, entertaining, and energizing first contact. Ooh, boy, they just keep throwing them things in there. (laughs) With a comprehensive STEAM education. Both titles are now available wherever you purchase books. 
So in closing, we'll be back next week with our analysis of episode 16 of Star Trek Prodigy entitled Preludes. Before we sign off, we would like to remind you to share a link to Age of Discovery with people you know who enjoy Star Trek as well. Also, since we've produced this show since September of 2017, we want to suggest that you explore our full catalog of episodes. Our podcast includes analysis of every episode of Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds, as well as reviews of the short treks and several special topic shows. Please recommend our podcast to your friends or family members who want to dig deeper into the Star Trek universe. Until that time, like, subscribe, and follow Star Trek Age of Discovery on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek AOD. At, on Facebook at Facebook slash Star Trek AOD. Also, come to our website, StarTrekAOD.net, where we offer additional articles on Star Trek canon, interesting sidebar issues, and other aspects of the show. You may also email the show at StarTrekAOD at gmail.com. But until then, live long and prosper.